Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for downloading the Manchester is Red podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. Before we start today's podcast, you may have seen the allegations made about Mason Greenwood and news of his arrest. As this is still very much an active case, for legal reasons, we obviously cannot discuss the allegations on today's show. Thank you very much for understanding. Hello and welcome to this Transfer Deadline Day special of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fair, and I'm glad to say that we've got our two top targets on the podcast today. No late sort of bargain basement buys for us. Uh, Samuel Luckhurst, how are you doing? Not, not too bad, thank you. Not too bad at all. And Tyrone Marshall, you were high up on the short list as well. How are you doing today? Yeah, very good, Rich. Police have got negotiations over the line with uh, 11 hours of the, the deadline to go. It's been been drawn out, tough negotiations, but police are all sat here now. Yeah, your commercial f- assets were f- through, oh, the roof, through the roof, but sometimes yeah. you've got to pay for the brand, haven't you? And Yeah, where should, where should we start? I mean, we're recording this uh, as the caveat, I suppose, at half 12 on the 31st of January 2022. So, of course, deals will be announced as and when, and, you know, there could be mitigation. Some some things we say could be outdated by the time you listen to this, but just bear that in mind. Like I said, we are recording this at half 12 on the Monday. And Samuel, I guess maybe the biggest United story in terms of today is the fact that you know we've got the players back in training after that week off and I guess there's lots of players at Carrington who were in line to perhaps leave the club today but are are still on the books and are still at the club as well. Yes I suppose they have to be professional about it and with with Jesse Lingard last week that that hit a snag with the the survival bonus that United were uh, insisting on as far as I'm aware, Newcastle have, have still got him down as a short li- on their shortlist as a possible uh, loan incoming today. But Newcastle seem to be taking bus- care of business elsewhere, strengthening their squad. So that that might indicate that they're they're past uh, the point with with, with Lingard. Uh, Dean Henderson was also Carrington today. Uh, Newcastle have, have been looking at him and have, have held some discussions about possibly bringing him in. Even though they've got quite, uh, their goalkeeping department is, is is teeming to say the least. I think that three three goalkeepers have, have played at least four four Premier League games this season: Freddie Woodman, uh, Martin Dubravka, and and Carl Darlow. But the quality of those keepers is is not particularly great. Um, Eddie Howe recognises that, and if there are certain players you can't get in in the attacking third, you you need someone dependable who's likely to save you points in the defensive third and, and Henderson shown he can do that with, with Sheffield United and, and also um, during a, a decent run of form he had with, with United last season when, when he got into the team around March time I think it was with with Phil Jones unsurprisingly he didn't fancy Bordeaux someone who's, who's played his whole career in, in the North West uh, it, it really didn't strike me as uh, a move that was ever going to materialise that one um, yeah, there have been a number of British players in recent years who've, who've taken the plunge and, and gone abroad and 
you always think good on you because it's it's it's, it's a pretty brave decision still um, going to a different country, not speaking the language. Um, it's not a path that, that British footballers are, are synonymous with with taking, but it is it is becoming more prevalent. You've, you've seen the example Jaden Sancho has set there. And there was an interesting piece in the Sunday Times about how he's been a trailblazer for a lot of other, uh, a new generation of, of young young footballers who are very, very much open to, to moving abroad in, in their teenage years. But Jones obviously turns 30 in, in February. He's played once in two years. Eric Bailly's coming back. Uh, Victor Lindelof was back in training on Sunday, I was told, which, which is encouraging after the traumatic experience that in his family went through recently. So United have got four centre-backs uh, available to them. Of course, if there's one injury, then, then Jones is a little bit nearer to the um, to the first-team fold. But realistically, quite a lot would have to happen for him to, to start a game this season. But I, I've always just got the impression that injury or no injury, he's he's too comfortable at United. And so you, can't, you can't blame him to an extent because it was their fault that they gave him that pretty obscene contract. Uh, I think it was I think it was nearly three years ago that they gave him a four and a half year contract. If they don't sell him uh, this summer, then he will go next year. It would be remarkable if they got to a point where they actually triggered the one year option in, in his contract. Uh, I think there's every chance there'll be a defensive recruit in the summer just because of the, the situation with certain players. United aren't too happy with the right back spot. Um, going back to their interest in Kieran Trippier in the summer, Eric Bailly is open to leaving because he's he's, he's not a regular either. Uh, but at, at the moment, it doesn't look like anything imminent is happening other than the, the Van der Beek deal to Everton, which everybody's fully aware of. It's going to happen unless there's uh, a, a dramatic last-minute snag there. He wasn't at Carrington today. Everybody expects him to be pictured or videoed later on, on on Twitter, clutching or wearing an Everton shirt um, under under Frank Lampard's management. So it, it's, it feels a quiet day. I suspect it will uh, end on a quiet note as well. Yeah, Ty, I guess while we're going to talk almost player by player on that instance, and Donny van der Beek, like someone said, they're the one who looks the most likely to leave United today, as we understand, been at Everton this this morning, and like we said, probably coincide with Frank Lampard's announcement as their manager as well later in the day. What do you make of that as a move for for Van der Beek? Do you think that's about the level he needs to be at? And again, it's a good gauge maybe for for him in terms of his own United future if he can prove he he can do it in the Premier League. And again, the I guess the caveat as well of, of working under Frank Lampard, one of the greatest midfielders in in the Premier League. You know, he should. You almost say if he can't do it Everton under him, then he can't do it anywhere. Yeah, possibly. I mean, Everton is a complete madhouse, um, so there is that to, to throw in, I guess. There should be some stability now with, with Lampard there. Van der Beek's probably thinking this is five months too late, given he was given permission two days before the end of the last window to join Everton, only for Charles Carter to pull the plug on deadline day. So, ironic in a way that, that he is moving there and, and going there, especially when that interest stemmed from Marcel Brands, their Dutch director of football, who has since since left. So, a move that's finally... Um, finally coming off and yeah it's a good one a good one for him it's you know it, it's a decent squad there he should still get games under a manager I mean it's hard to know what to make of, of Lampard's style I guess at the moment he likes to trust youth but fundamentally Van der Beek is going to play games Everton obviously short in midfield it's going to tell us whether he, he can cope with the Premier League that's obviously why he's not been playing for United 60 Premier League games now since he signed he's been fit and available I think for all of them and has played four or started four so 
pretty clear there was no real future for him at United. And it was a case that he just had to he had to go and play and, and get some football and ideally in the Premier League if he's to try and resurrect his United career. I mean, two managers now have, have looked at him and decided that he's he's not for them, even though Solskjaer wanted to keep him around. So it does still feel like there's an awful lot to prove if he is to, to make it at Old Trafford. The I guess the, the, the size of elephants in the room is, is who becomes manager in the summer and the possibility, I guess, of that being Eric Ten Hag, who, who obviously used him very well at Ajax, but it still feels to me like it's unlikely Van der Beek can do enough at Everton to come back and, and have a future at United. And in a way, it's a bit like Martial in that neither are, the, the door's not closed for either, but the onus is on them to, to really impress and, and prove their points really at Sevilla and Everton when you'd think it's more likely that, that they'll be putting themselves in the shop window for a transfer in the summer. And I think that's probably the case with, with Van der Beek. But I think certainly with Van der Beek, there's going to be a lot of fascination from United fans with, with how he gets on. United fans know what you get from Martial, which is generally huge inconsistency. But they don't really know what you get with, with Van der Beek. There's obviously, since that City game, been chanting his name at various points this season. That 45 minutes at Watford, he looked to have played himself into the team, but but still didn't start. And there's always been this kind of, I guess, underlying campaign on social media or or wonder on social media about why, when United's midfielders has looked like it needs a player like that, he's never got the chance. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of interest to see how he gets on and, and how he performs. And if he does... If he does tear it up with Everton, I think it's only going to increase the um, the question marks over exactly why he's not had a chance with United. But alternatively, if he if he flops and proves out of his depth, then I guess it's it's point proven, and you would be looking at a move to to somewhere in Europe this summer. Yeah, exactly. I guess interesting as well. It's probably a similar situation to Jesse Lingard this time last year, where he left United on loan and no one was that bothered, and then he had such a good spell at West Ham that you know he did come back reinvigorated. He did get that second chance. The fake and maybe hollow promises from Solskjaer that he'd get a chance this season, which just haven't materialised in a year on. He's never who could leave today. But, you know, that is interesting enough that a January loan, as we saw last year, could it could be the springboard for something better on. But like you said, the, the onus is very much on the player now. And speaking of Jesse Lingard, Samuel, over the weekend, you did the line that, you know, Newcastle were looking at him and Dean Henderson in terms of possible recruitment this January window. I know you've touched upon them already, but what is the latest on those two? And can you see either of them leaving at the time of recording? Probably not at the time of, of recording, which is is nearly one o'clock. So they've got what um, 10, 10 hours to to sort something out. It, it has been done before, but I think a lot would would have to happen now. Uh, it's it's gone very quiet on Lingard and Newcastle since uh, the discussions last week ended with uh, Newcastle unimpressed by that survival uh, bonus that United were after. Uh, Lingard is, is unimpressed with the way he's been treated by United. It's it's not a healthy dynamic. It's It, you know, it, it would be a shame for club and player if, if, his, if his career was to peter out uh, the way it might do over the next next four months with him just, just marooned at United when Really, certainly at the start of last season, he should have probably been allowed to go out on loan. He eventually got that that move, did well. They didn't take the advantage of of striking while the iron was hot and, and selling him to West Ham. I've, I've no doubt that if they said to West Ham that you could have him for twenty five million, they'd have got twenty five million pounds for him in June or July or whenever. Um, West Ham were quite. Uh, 
they were pretty dormant in the summer window, but then at the very end of it, as, as we discussed last week, they, they spent £25 million on a forward who's not made much of an impression whatsoever there and, and, and isn't getting in the team either. So Lingard was a slam dunk for United last summer, but true to form, I guess, they, they missed out on it. And I think the way it was framed at the time was that it would be a wrench for the club to sell him because he joined the club at the age of seven. He spent more than three quarters of his life at United. But there's there's the old saying in football, there's no room for sentiment. And unfortunately for United, there's a hell of a lot of room for sentiment. They are a very, very sentimental club and it's often to their detriment. And there's there's an outside chance that Lingard could be an asset if he stays at United in the running. Uh, he, he had very good impacts earlier in the season. But from what I was told last week, uh, Rangnick suggested that he wasn't in his plans. Uh, now, OK, he, he might get on the bench. I think that the way the squad is shaping up for Friday night's game at Middlesbrough, he, he probably would get on the bench for that because there are some players who are on international duty still this week and most likely will not be available uh, for that game just because of uh, you know, travelling back, lack of training, etc. And, and the fact that it is a Friday night game as well. But it would still be a bit of a jolt to see his name in, in the starting lineup, And he, he's still got quite a long way to go there. But I suppose stranger things have happened in that players have turned around their, their careers at a club for much dire, for, for more dire situations than, than Lingard's. And he has shown when he's had fulfilling opportunities this season what what he can still do but it would still be pretty ridiculous I think if he was to end up still a United player beyond June the 30th it, it wouldn't it wouldn't make a shred of sense regardless of what happens if even if he scores in every game <laughs> now in the end of the season the, the, there would still be caveats to it coming under a, an interim manager and, and whatnot uh but it's it doesn't reflect great it, it doesn't reflect reflect brilliantly on United that he he's he's likely at this stage uh, I should add to, to still end up there beyond the January window. Um, I, I think that while I understand where United are coming from in that he could have a transformative effect at Newcastle as he did at West Ham and they don't want to be left shortchanged, it's entirely their fault that they're getting shortchanged because they didn't sell him in the summer because nobody made um you know had had the decisiveness to to actually say look he, he needs to go he's he's 29 in december you you don't play him he's done really well at west ham he's out of contract next year that the, the reasons for selling him last year were, were piling up and they could have ended on on good terms but there's a risk of them them ending on bad terms Ty, Phil Jones, uh, Samuel already said there that there's that proposed move to Bordeaux, which which doesn't look like it's going to happen anymore. And you know, I stated earlier in this podcast as well, it didn't maybe look like the the perfect marriage necessarily. And you know, it's understood that Phil Jones maybe had reservations as well about playing time there. But you know, it's like this has always been sidelined for so long for United. He had that. I almost said triumphant return. Of course, United still lost when he made his return, but he did at least play quite well. And it almost seemed like a fitting finale anyway to his, his United career for now, just to leave on that high, to finally make the comeback and to have come those personal hurdles. What can you see his role being in the second half of the season then, if it, if it looks like he will be staying at the club? Do you actually think he will be getting involved in matchday squads or, or do you think he's just going to be there and almost become that figure who's who sort of divided fans before. And, you know, it almost feels like he's not doing himself too many favours. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think his role is going to be fifth choice centre back, really. Um, but I mean, he was the only defender on the bench, I think, last last week, given the the injuries and suspensions and, and absentees. So he's not been a million miles from it. You know that that performance performance against Villa, I think it was Villa anyway that he played against, wasn't it? Was um, you know was was pretty was good enough, you'd think. And, He's a solid enough fifth choice. You can understand him. It, not it was the Wolves game, wasn't it? Was it? Wolves, sorry. I was just Wolves, thinking yeah. Wolves defeat, yeah. That's right, it was the Wolves defeat. Midlands team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, close enough. You know, I think Bordeaux are having a pretty a pretty bad season. It's not like he's joining a, a, a French club who are doing well or a team that in Europe, there's probably not a lot to gain from going to a struggling team for five months who I think might be in a relegation battle when you're completely away from the spotlight. There's the chance to play games, but I'm sure he can get a few under-23 games for United and... In terms of getting a new club in the summer, there'll probably be more eyes on those games than there will on, on Bordeaux playing at the moment. So, I don't, for a short term move, I'm not sure you can blame him turning it down, really. I'm not sure there was necessarily a whole lot to gain from it when you're talking maybe getting 15 games, something like that, left in the season for a team, like I say, that aren't in Europe. So, I, I don't think it's, I don't think, you know, maybe wouldn't be too critical of him ignoring that move, but. Pretty clear come the summer, I think he, he needs to push and, and needs to go. It's no secret what he's been through in terms of injuries. Like you say, I think that that game against Wolves, triumphant return in a home defeat to Wolves is, is obviously overselling it, but it was a, a performance that was good enough to suggest he could still have a future as a Premier League a Premier League centre back. And it did feel like a, a nice moment for him given what what he's been through as you know, as he's probably made some wrong decisions in terms of staying at the club, but it's still a short career as professional football, and he's had what two years of it, maybe wiped away through through injuries. So I'm sure that's been difficult for him at times. But yeah, I think you know, like Samuel said, it's unlikely he's going to play again for United, given that centre backs are returning now. He's he is fifth choice in that pecking order, so it's a long way down for him to to get a game. Maybe maybe this week in the Borough game is actually the closest he will get to it between now and the end of the season. But yeah, like I said, nothing, nothing really to gain. I don't think from him from from going to Bordeaux in terms of getting a, a decent move in the summer, and and that should be his priority really, finding a, a club to take him in the summer. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, he's already shown his worth still, you know, at, at a decent level as well. And yeah, we'll we'll see what happens on that one. But like you said, that one looking like it won't happen on on deadline day. And another deal which doesn't look like it's going to happen on deadline day, Samuel. Usman Dembele. I mean, we did this on the last podcast, didn't we, about players being linked with United to drum up interest and Usman Dembele never of any interest to United this month. Do you want to give us a bit on him? Uh, okay. okay. Uh, he, he, he is becoming the Nico Gaitan of the last 18 months and, and United are partly to blame due to that chaotic conclusion to the 2020 summer window when they realised they couldn't get Sancho and they were looking at players who were just unwanted by their clubs and, and Dembele was one of them. They 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 refused to rule out loaning Gareth Bale, which uh, I mean I, I know he you know as Andros Townsend said Be that careful time, what you say I know I know as Andros Townsend <laughs> said in that way that time that the streets will never forget what he did you know that goal against Liverpool and. Uh, Copa del Rey final, getting Wales to the Euro semi-final. He's he's had a great career, but at that time, he he certainly wasn't a player that United should have been uh, monitoring or, or tracking, however way you want to phrase it. He should have been many years before then, and he was. But United were getting desperate, and they did look at Dembele. So 
Barcelona, because I mean, we're talking about basket cases of the club, Barcelona are one of them. Um, I, I can't quite work out their finances when they're just about to get a Bamiang in on. I know he's, he's taking a reduction, but he's on some like 350 grand a week at Arsenal. So it, it's just all a bit strange, really, how they're managing to recruit all these players whilst maintaining um, finances. When I think at one point last season, they, they couldn't even afford six million euros for Eric Garcia. But it's a new dawn there with with Juan Laporta back as as president, and and Dembele is unwanted still. Uh, he's out of contract in the summer. He's one of these expensive mistakes that were made under the previous regime. The um, the, the nine figure signings, Coutinho's one, Griezmann's one. They're obviously out on loan. They would love to get shot of Dembele, be it permanently or on loan, and they failed to do that. So the tactic, and Barcelona are never short of um, willing minions to um, put their propaganda out there, is to link them with clubs who they think might need Usman Dembele. Uh, and even clubs who wouldn't need Usman Dembele. Uh, Chelsea were linked with him over the weekend. I, I can't fathom why on earth Chelsea, never mind Chelsea coached by Thomas Tuchel, would accommodate a, a pretty flaky player whose Barcelona career... From my perspective, I just remember him as being the bottler who cocked up chances against Liverpool when he, he probably could have killed off Liverpool in that first leg back in 2019. And you saw what happened in the second leg. Um, so and those keepy-ups when he got announced. And the keepy-ups as well. <laughs> Although he's not... He, I think Thomas Vermaelen is, is one who more speaks to mind on that one. It's, yeah. A few of them have, have, have botched it. And even this morning, there was... PSG agree terms for for Dembele and I spoke to one of our colleagues who spoke to PSG and spoke to PSG very early this morning and, and PSG were adamant that no we, we haven't agreed terms with him and then three hours later the author of the original story says oh it's Dembele to PSG is off having put out the line that Dembele to PSG was on so the phrase that comes to mind is circle of expletive but I can't obviously say that and Dembele is always he's always at the centre of it, it seems, because Barcelona just want shots of him and they will use any development uh, related to any club to try and get shots of him. At the moment, it looks like he's just going to be marooned in Barcelona because nobody wants to take him off their hands. It, it would have been weird if PSG had gone for him, given the array of attackers that, that they have at their club as well. So the, the thing that I suppose is, is kind of like morbidly curious for us is that we, we're at a point now where we feel pretty comfortable that we can read between the lines with players who are linked with United. Like when Daniel James's name came out in relation to United, you thought, OK, that, that's probably believable because of this whole... Um, recruitment reboot and, and getting young British players and not necessarily going for superstars. Um, that, that was something that at the time was believable and it happened. When Dembele gets mentioned, I'm still pretty uh, aghast at how many people on Twitter actually believe it. And I mean, I don't, I don't read my replies most of the time, so I, I, I don't see any like any requests on is, is Dembele coming or anything like that because. I'd be wasting a hell of a lot of hours of my life uh, just just answering no all the time, and, and others would as well. But I'm still I still can't quite understand why fans swallow certain things. And sometimes, you know, there's an account out there that somehow has a verified tick 
that purports to be a transfer insider. If he was a transfer insider, he's, his Instagram or his profiles, his online profiles would indicate that he is employed by someone. As far as I can tell, he's not employed by anyone. He's got a very vague avatar. I think his Instagram pictures are just pictures of players and him saying they're going there, here, there, and everywhere. And the phrase that was given to me from United yesterday about Dembele was, um, it was, quote, it's usual, unquote. And that's that's what what we're dealing with most of the time, really, when it comes to players who who are linked with United. Um, so it, it is very very tedious, and at the risk of doing a Paddy Ashdown that time on election night, I, I, I will eat my hat if if Usman Dembele somehow ends up at uh, ends up United by eleven pm this evening. Well, that's reason to keep tuned to my MES coverage all day, isn't it? As you <laughs> count down to 11pm, yeah, we'll wait and see. But like you said, Samuel, very unlikely that will happen. And Tyro, and in terms of any new additions anyway, looks like United will finish the window without any. You know, this was a stance that you could have predicted quite early on anyway. Um, I guess that was the question I was going to ask you, Ty. Did you actually envisage a situation where United might have signed someone this month, given the, the shortcomings in midfield and the fact that they've prioritised that for the summer? You know, of course, United are always going to say if the right player comes available for the right play, price, they would be you'd be interested. And, you know, there is always that caveat. But did you actually think United would sign anyone this month? No, I think it was always unlikely. The only possibility was, was ever going to be a midfielder. But... I think United's, United's stance on transfers and transfers in January is is probably the right one in terms of they'll only go for a player who is a summer target, who becomes available, or you sign someone who is going to improve the team, which is very difficult to do mid-season. And that's the point of a, a transfer, really. And that's the point of any, any good club making transfers, assigning players who are coming to the first team, which automatically increases the quality of the squad because someone's dropping out of the team or at least facing some competition. And in reality, there was no midfielder easily available for United that was going to improve them this year. <coughs> Excuse me. People mentioned like Zakaria and Kamara. Uh, are they any better than Fred or Scott McTominay? I don't think so. If they were, they wouldn't be playing where they are and they wouldn't be being touted all around Europe and still not having a move on, on deadline day. So what's the point in signing them just to have more competition for places when the real target has to be signing an elite midfielder in the summer who can come straight into the team and then one of Fred or McTominay faces the competition and, and drops out of the team and becomes the backup. So I think that's the right strategy. It, it was maybe a risk given they were in a top four race at the time. They still are in a top four race, but they should, with the run of fixtures they've got now, having got themselves into fourth, they should go and put that to bed, I think, within the next six weeks. Certainly West Ham don't look likely challenges. You, you'd always expect them to fall away ever so slightly. Uh, what Arsenal are doing is is baffling in terms of seemingly just trying to sell or get rid of, of all players they possibly can. I think they're down to, to 20 or 21 players with letting Aubameyang go. They've obviously only got Lacazette and Nketiah as strikers. When it was an unexpected top four chance for Arsenal, it's been a really odd transfer window from them. And so is I think United... Yeah, they, I think... Down, I, I think our former producer, Ash, said they were down to about 19 senior players, yeah, and... It just seems yeah. a very risky strategy to be taken, yeah. like I said, when they yeah. the real good go chance. as well, haven't they? And, and, and the, the, the postponement rules have changed as well, so they can't they can't get yeah. away with that. Okay, games called off anymore, so they're going to have to try and play some football. <laughs> so yeah, you would rule them out. So it's probably between United and Tottenham, and I guess Tottenham seemingly are strengthening their squad, but they're they're short term additions. They're obviously not top targets. 
because they missed out on on top targets like Traore and Diaz. So it's, although they're getting players in, you wouldn't call Tottenham's transfer window a success. I mean, they failed to agree terms with a non-league player somehow, which seems seems bizarre. Um, so yeah, I think United's stance is, is probably the right one. It is obvious the midfield needs improving, but at, at this level, signing players in January is extremely difficult unless they're summer targets to become available, I guess, with Liverpool and Diaz. They've got a release clause like City and Laporte, or they were a target that, for reasons, got delayed, like Liverpool and Van Dijk. He was always a long-term Liverpool target. We know it got done in January because they made a mess of it in the summer before. So, yeah, I think it was always likely to be a quiet window for for United, and really it's about laying the groundwork for the summer and, and what is likely to be a much busier window. Yeah, I was going to come to Samuel on that sort of finally is, you know, for United so often, the closure of the January window is almost the, the chance for them to start their summer recruitment uh, plan, you know, get the targets in place. I know you've already said that trying to get a permanent manager in place and announced before the end of the season would be a, a huge help towards that. But in terms of transfers, I know as soon as the deadline closes at 11pm for many fans, they'll be like, right, that's it until the summer. But behind the scenes, United will be getting to work, won't they, Samuel? Yeah, they they try and execute deals from from February onwards. Really, they they whistled down their shortlist in January. That may be a bit different this year because there isn't a permanent manager in post. I, I don't think they're even at the stage with uh, the, the front runner where they could be surreptitiously discussing targets. I, I really don't think they're at that stage whatsoever. Even though there have been some developments in terms of appointing a, a permanent manager. Um, whether there's a formal announcement or informal announcement before the end of the season. So at the moment, they are dependent on the shortlist that uh, they were working on um, from from September or certainly the areas they were looking at in September, which I think would be shared by the new manager because it's pretty clear that the areas of the squad which are going to require improvement, they they do need um, an upgrade at fullback. They are going to need at at least one midfielder. They're probably going to need an attack-minded player to come in to offset the exodus of senior attacking players that everybody expects in the summer with Pogba, Lingard, Mata and Cavani uh, likely to go. So it's they're fortunate in that sense and the forward planning can continue in regards to those positions the new coach will have will be of the mindset of of, of different things that might um that might jar with the club's outlook on certain players as, as i did in the piece this morning if eric ten Hag is appointed you would imagine donny van der beek would feel quite emboldened by that and also Dean Henderson, because Ajax have, have certainly looked at trying to get him in on loan this month and, and inquired about him 18 months ago when his, uh, when his loan with Sheffield United ended. If it's Mauricio Pochettino, Luke Shaw will feel encouraged by that because of his rapport with him going back to their time at Southampton and contributing to his book in 2017. And Pochettino wanted Marshall uh, at Tottenham in, in 2018. So a new manager is always going to have to be accommodated with certain um, certain decisions that he wants, and he does have a veto on targets as well. Uh, United have said that hasn't changed. The recruitment department and the manager have a veto on targets. John Murta will be the, the messenger, effectively the conduit between those um, those those two particular departments. But there are a hell of a lot of futures that 
are uncertain that range from Marshall, what do you do with him in the summer? Of course, what he does at Sevilla will dictate what they do. Do they want to repeat the mistake with Jesse Lingard or are they going to integrate him back into the team? That is pretty much going to come down to the manager, I'd have thought. I don't think that that's a decision that can be taken out of the manager's hands because if they sell him and the manager's says, well, actually, I quite like him. I, 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 I think there's a project there and he's going to start regularly under me. Already you're off on the wrong foot. Um, and someone like Axel Tunzebi, who has been out on four loans now, turns 25 in November, I think it is. Um, he, he's not one of the more obvious players to sell, but you'd think given the way his career has, has panned out, certainly over the last uh, 18 months or so, it's it's it would be sensible to um, cut your losses of him this year. You forget that Andreas Pereira is still a contracted Manchester United player who is out of contract next year. So realistically, you've got to sell him this summer, or whenever the windows open for for, for Brazilian clubs potentially, because Flamengo obviously uh, open to, to signing him. But um, I think it was Freddie Caldera earlier this month who did a story about how much United were looking for Pereira and it was just obscene pie-in-the-sky money. Um, you can see why they struggle to sell players because they just overestimate their value. So those are just a few examples. Phil Jones is out of contract next year. You've got to sell him this year. Eric Bailly has only got two years left in his contract. Why he got a new contract last year, that was mystifying at the time. Not much has changed there. He wants out. But then you leave yourself short at centre-back and you're going to have to bring a centre-back in. Uh, You're not going to be dependent on Mengi unless the new manager might be of the mindset that he actually likes Axel Tunzibi and he wants to play a back three with with Tunzibi. Like, stranger things have happened. So there is so much uncertainty just on the players themselves without even factoring, factoring in what the manager is going to think of those individuals on top of it. Um, and and that's I, I suppose that that even overlooks certain isolated cases like Ronaldo. If they don't qualify for the Champions League, Ronaldo is going to be on at George Mendes um, to get a club that are in the Champions League. He was, although he was loyal to an extent with Solskjaer, he was on at George Mendes to put pressure on the United board to get rid of Solskjaer because he knew he wasn't up to it as, as manager of United. And then you've got someone like Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who, just just personal opinion, I think United just need a shot of him in the summer because I don't think he's good enough. He's three years in. They're, they're going to make a massive loss on him if they do, do sell him at some point or another. But it seems like a hell of a lot would have to happen for him to have a long and fulfilling career at United. Uh, so there are so many issues there in terms of outgoings alone to address. And they are not going to sell all those players in a single summer. That would be a tough sell for a normal proactive club when it comes to selling. United are dreadful sellers, uh, dating back to Ferguson's days. Uh, as, as again, I reflected in, in, in the piece this morning, going back to when Beckham was sold in 2003, Real Madrid they negotiated with Peter Kenyon, the United chief executive at the time. Uh, the word he used to Florentino Perez was that United are selling him for peanuts. So United have got a hell of a lot of work to do and it would make infinite sense to have that manager in place before the end of this season. But they are compromised whether they do that or not because that manager, the likelihood is they are already in employment. It, it seems unlikely that their next manager is going to be someone who 
is is a free agent uh, at the present time. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, the hard work starts now, and of course, we'll be with you all the way up until deadline day. Uh, deadline passes sort of at eleven p.m. later today. So wherever you are listening to this, please yeah, stay aboard the Manchester Evening News and stick to our live blog for all the latest news and comings and goings from Old Trafford. Samuel and Ty, thank you very much for joining us for this transfer special. Thank you, Rich. Cheers, Rich. And thank you once again, wherever you are in the world. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again later in the week to look ahead to that FA Cup tie against Middlesbrough.